Hello, welcome back to Unprofessional. I'm Dave Wiskus, joined to my far left by Mr. Lex Friedman, one of my favorite people in the world. Geographically or politically to your far left? You know, that maybe both. I, you know, it's not like I'm right wing or anything. I'm more of a centrist, but I wouldn't say that you're far to my left. Okay, just check. Well, you're one of my favorite people, too. Oh, thanks. And our, our guest this week is, uh, I guess, what would happen if you put me and Lex together? <laughs> David Friedman. <laughs> Hi. Hi, David. Hi. Um, so, should I say something now? Am I? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Tell the people, who on? are you? Who okay, is so David Friedman? I'm David Friedman. Different people know me for different things, I've found. Um, so, some people know me that I'm a photographer. Uh, that's my main profession. I've been doing it for uh, 16 or 17 years now. Um, and uh, my big project in that uh, aspect that people might know is I've been doing a big series on inventors. It's a, it's a photo, interview, and video series. The videos are part of PBS Digital Studios' YouTube channel. Um, if you go to youtube.com slash inventor series, you can see um, very small documentaries, like three to four minutes uh, about inventors, uh, famous inventors, guys who invented um, the first video games, the first digital camera, and unknown inventors who are struggling in their garages and everyone in between. Well, so I guess the other important question, though, is are we related? Not as far as I know, are we? Okay. No, I, I don't know. Are you in 23andMe in their database? I am in 23andMe. All right. Well, uh, it hasn't connected us. No, it hasn't connected us. So I guess you could totally sleep together. But I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I ignore anything on 23andMe that doesn't say your potential second or third cousins. So maybe we're a fourth cousin. Right. If, they, if it, yeah, if it's like you might have the same, you might have an ancestor as recently as 300 years ago. That's yeah. not interesting to me. Yeah. But maybe, maybe somehow we're related by marriage. Yes. I guess could be possible. You could hook up with a fourth cousin. Oh, yeah. I would. I have. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, just so everybody's clear, there, I have a couple important uh, uh, demographic questions. I don't know what the hell I'm trying to say. Okay. But do you prefer David to Dave? You know, I always introduce myself as David. It's my name, so that's what I say. Some people take to calling me Dave and I always feel like that says a little bit more about them than about me or maybe it, <laughs> or maybe it says something about the way they see me I don't know I'm always fascinated by who just decides uh, to call me Dave with no permission or asking um, but I introduce myself as David I introduce myself as Dave unless it's like uh, a checkout person who's writing down my contact information for something that I've purchased or like a doctor or something like that. Then I say David, and I never know why. I mm. always immediately regret it. Interesting. I uh, I don't tell... I mean, I uh, if I'm seeing somebody or introducing myself, I'll say Lex. But when people don't ask, they always assume that I'm Alex because they see the Alexander there. Some people even see a Lex and they assume that I'm Alex. But when, I, uh, when I'm at the doctor and they call me Alex and they've been calling me Alex for years, there's never an appropriate time to tell them, actually, it's Lex at that point. So right. I'm stuck You could just be Lex like super douche, and you could say like, well, excuse me, I'm going by Lex now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, I've changed. <clears throat> do, you, do you ever say Lex as in Luther? Just, you know. It's the, uh, it's the most common thing I hear back. I'm sure. So if I say, hey, I'm Lex, and they say, oh, like Lex Luther, and then I say, I have never heard that before. Or if I'm feeling extra dicky, I say, I've never thought of that before, because for some reason that's even worse, like even meaner. Um, so I'll be I honest, the, the Luther connection didn't actually occur to me until just now. 
<laughs> so that's well, I think that's how it is for everybody, right? It occurs to them like when they have my name in their mouth, my right? Name. I love I love that you of all people, Lex, the guy who will make the worst possible joke at any given moment will be upset of other people saying that. I love that too. No, I don't <laughs> mind I if somebody comes up to me and they're like, Hi, my name's Bob Giantcock, I'm not gonna make an obvious joke about the fact that his last name is Giantcock. Like Mr. Because- Smokes too much. Right, because you know, oh, well, <laughs> this poor fellow has heard a lot of giant cock jokes in his life. Like, I'm going to come up with something else. Um, like, changing my last name. Yeah. Do you guys know Mr. Smokes too much? I do not know Mr. Smokes too uh, much. I think it was, uh, unless I'm getting it wrong, the whole joke. Uh, as I recall, it was a Monty, Monty Python skit. Um, might have been argument clinic. I don't know. But so the, the character says, uh, oh, my name is Mr. Smokes Too Much. And the other guy says, oh, you better cut down a bit then, eh? And he says, what? And he says, smokes too much. Better cut down a bit. Oh, bet you get it all the time. And he says, yeah, uh, actually, it never occurred to me. Smokes too much. <laughs> better cut down a bit. Yes, that's quite clever. <laughs> I didn't even try to do the accent. Well, there's, there's something in your, your lineup of things that you do that we didn't that you didn't mention. And I feel like it should be mentioned because that's what I, what I know you from. Mm-hmm. You're also a male stripper. Right. Right. I go by the name, oddly enough, Lex Whiskus. That's my stripper name. Well played. <laughs> now, what's your other famous gig? Uh, so the other thing that people tend to know me for is I have a blog called Ironic Sands that... Um, I guess I've been writing since 2005 or 2006. It has gone through various periods of both uh, fame and non-fame and um, activity and inactivity. Um, And a lot of things that I posted there over the years went viral. So there are a lot of people who have never heard of the blog, but then... They say, oh, you're, you did that? I had no idea. And you did that? And, you know, so um, I don't take for granted anymore when I go somewhere uh, that anyone has ever heard of it. But it's always very cool when I go somewhere and someone's like, you're ironic sans? And then the people around feel like they're the idiots for not knowing <laughs> So um, I I've always said ironic sans, so now I feel I, like, nope, I, you're you know, here's the thing. I've always said, always said Ironic Sans. It is probably Ironic Sans. Um, I always call the fonts, various fonts, san- whatever it is, Sans. And it occurred to me early on that when I say Ironic Sans, someone might think I'm saying S-A-N-D-S, but strangely that has not happened. So I just keep saying Ironic <laughs> Sans. I think it's, to me, I always say Sans. And part of my thinking is that it's a, uh, even if it is what is it, like French or, or uh, mm-hmm. something, let's sans. go with French. Sure, we'll say French. Uh, it's it's just kind of douchey to say sans, like people who say niche instead of niche. Well, so do you say rendezvous? No, okay. but I don't think there's any there. There's no uh, conflict. There's no debate <laughs> over how to pronounce that word. There's a category of word that I sometimes think about where we all collectively sort of agree we're all going to pronounce it wrong. And if you know that you're not pronouncing it right, you're not going to say anything because then you sound like an asshole. Like, for example, the Icelandic musician Bjork. Her name is not pronounced Bjork. It's I think it's Bjork or something. Rhymes, <laughs> rhymes with work. Rhymes with work Excuse or jerk. Me. Right. So, so, but... 
I know Bjork. this, but I'm not going to say, oh, did you hear the new Bjork album? Because then I sound like an idiot, right? <laughs> Plus, because who's going to talk about a Bjork album anyway? Hey, <laughs> hey, hey. Don't knock. I'm, so- I'm uh, sorry. It's all right. Well, one of the big things, when I first moved to New York, one of the big things was, yay, I would finally get to see Bjork in concert. And uh, I did many times. So I don't know. She's not irrelevant to me yet. Yeah, Lex. Um, well, no, so I, I, I agree with you on the pronunciation thing. Like, nobody should say Bjork. And I don't like when people are like, oh, I just got back from Puerto Rico. Like, that kills me. But for Sans, it's just how I learned it. So yeah. I, I think it's, I think it, intent plays a factor here. Like, I don't All like right. when people say, that's really not my fort. Which is, in theory, the more correct way to pronounce sure. forte since it comes from French. But that is just totally obnoxious. I would never say that unless I was talking about the douchiness of it. And just it's for forte. the record, it's uh, it's Jif with a soft G. But anyway, so some of the things that um, people may have seen on Ironic Sands, is, is, just to give a little bit of context, is um, I coined the word chemming. I still get... Uh, people talking about that one um i want the first thing that i did that put, put it on the map well basically i guess i should say it was uh, i was working so much and i'd get all these silly ideas for things that had nothing to do with my work and i just needed an outlet for them so a lot of people thought uh, think of ironic sands as an idea blog it's a place where i just post my ideas for things that i'm never really going to pursue because either they're too stupid to pursue or i don't have the real time to pursue so I just sort of put them out there for everyone to go, to laugh about and move on so sometimes it's coining a word like chemming sometimes it's um it's imagining uh a, an appliance like uh I would really like to have a toaster fridge toaster fridge no what was the guess ship it <laughs> no but like uh I imagined like a, a desk like you know a desk that you work at where the top is entirely glass, and then underneath the glass is an ant farm. So as you're working through the corner of your eye, you see all the all the ants scurrying around, and then you're like, somehow oh, makes my you God. feel better. It, well, it just sort of keeps you on edge all day. You know, is there an ant crawl? Did an ant get out? I don't know. It just seemed like something I would like to have or a, a building. Uh, see, I went I went a different direction with that. No, I, I like the ant desk because it, it reminds me of the, the tedium of, of work. And it makes sure. you feel better about what I'm doing. Sure. <laughs> I have to, I don't know. See, well, it's, it wouldn't be unprofessional if I didn't mention the treadmill desk. But I have to not think too hard about the fact that I'm walking endlessly to nowhere in front of my computer all day when I work. Because it feels way too much like a metaphor for work if I think about it too hard. Makes sense. So I don't think, I mean, for me... Yes, my mind went to the same place yours did, Dave, of the ant farm. Well, I guess maybe in a different direction, but I'll look at the ant farm and think about the futility of it all, how they're just digging all these holes. And if I could just shake my whole desk, I would fuck up everything those ants had been working on all day. Oh, no, no. This says a lot about you and me and our, our approach to work. To me, I like the ants because it reminds me of the importance of what I'm doing and that what I'm doing isn't tedious. Oh, I don't actually feel like what I'm doing is tedious. I just don't like the... I don't like the potential analogy, especially the treadmill. I think the ant farm I could get behind, except that ants creep me out. If if work to you is a, a long walk to nowhere, <laughs> you're doing the wrong work. Maybe you should change jobs. I'm a professional again. treadmiller. Though. Again. That's the problem. Now I'm thinking thousands of ants on tiny treadmills. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that a Dave Matthews song? <laughs> I think so. The first thing I did that people noticed was um, 
was I had this idea for, I was watching like a reality TV show and the guy's t-shirt was pixelated and I was like, come on, you're going on reality TV. You know that they're going to pixelate your shirt. You're just creating extra work for someone by wearing it. Someone should really just make a line of clothing where the logos are already pixelated. <laughs> so, so then to make the joke a little funnier, I actually went to one of those print-on-demand places and uploaded some designs. And, um, and then like, I went out of town for a few days, and when I came back, like hundreds of T-shirts had been ordered, and I was in the approval matrix of New York Magazine, and I was all over the place. Wow. And that was sort of what put uh, the blog on the map. Um, other things, I, I envisioned like a, a, a clock, a, a sundial clock powered by light bulbs. I called it the bulb dial clock. And then someone went and took that and actually built it. And now you can actually that, yeah. buy a bulb dial clock. You can buy a kit to build your own from Evil Mad Science. Uh, I think it's Do you get a cool. kickback for that? You know, here's a, they, they do give me a little bit. And what that I think says how awesome they are because they're under no obligation to from the time you make an idea public you only have a year to patent it and it had been more than a year before um they approached me and said hey look we made a prototype and we want to start selling it and give you a little percentage and i was like awesome uh, you know and they're awesome and they have so many awesome kits and uh um I don't know, I just can't recommend them enough. But So I think maybe I'm talking a little too much about professional stuff to be <laughs> unprofessional. So I'll just say that if you go to ironicsands.com slash favorites, you can see some of the things that I've posted over the years that I like best. Now, because you did do a little bit too much professional stuff, you will be severely punished and beaten after the show. But, I mean, you signed that with the agreement when you said you would appear. Right, of course. I was expecting it. Right. I think we just changed it. Now we use the word flog. Mm. <laughs> yeah. My copy of the contract says punished. Oh, well. Well, we'll, we'll adjust the treatment accordingly. <laughs> Sounds good. There's something to be said for the, uh, uh, like the value of an idea versus the implementation. And there's a lot of talk, especially in, in our industry, about how ideas are, are worthless. It's the execution that, is, that provides value. But I think that there's a, a whole category of things in which that's not the case. I I agree, and I think that there is a lot of value in having the idea even without the execution because you don't get to the good idea worth executing until you've had a bunch of ideas that you just tossed out there and dismissed. Uh, um, I think that's part of the process. I think maybe that's one of those dividing lines between art and design. Is it with art, the, the idea itself can have value without execution? I think that that's true. Um, but? But, so I, I'm not a designer. I'm married to a designer, and I see her process. And there's, I mean, the, just the pure idea of doodling thumbnails, that's sort of, is, is that considered execution, or is that just an expression of having the idea? I think it's an expression of the idea insofar as um, an expression of having an idea in art is having an idea for a painting and then painting it. Because it, I guess execution in this sense is like function versus non-function, right? So you've got in the software world, there's the idea, which is the design up to a, a point, but that in and of itself won't sell a software. Right. 
because True. it doesn't the, the product is not fully formed yet where in art the the product is fully formed long before it it would become functional I what, wish I were a better drawer does that help <laughs> me too that's why I became a photographer <laughs> I can't draw, but I like making pictures. You know, there are a lot of times on the blog where I post an idea for software largely because I don't have the skills to develop software and maybe someone else will like the idea enough to do it. And I think that when I post the idea, there is value to the idea without execution because it might start a conversation about is this something worth executing? I think you don't have execution without getting to a point where you have just the idea to begin with. So all, all execution starts with that. I'm not saying that, that ideas don't have value. I'm saying that, that an idea, like if somebody walks up to, to me in a bar and will say, hey, I've got an idea for an app, but if you make it, you have to give me half the money. And you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised how often this happens, which is funny because I don't actually make software myself. You don't even go to bars. Out. Yeah, I, I don't, I've never had a drink of alcohol in my life. <laughs> okay, that's a lie. I, I would say there's, there's added value when there's the execution, but I wouldn't say that there's no value to having just an idea. Some, sometimes I get contacted by inventors who want to be a part of my project or who think that I have some insight into how, because I know other people in the inventing community, how they can go from idea to execution and they tell me about their great idea and I have to tell them all you have is an idea and that's not really worth enough for participation in this project right now. But then I have other uh, inventors who I talk to. There's this one guy who is a serial inventor. Like he has a problem inventing. Like it has, (laughs) it has adversely affected his life. Oh, I thought you meant like he invented like, you know, Cheerios. No, no, no. He's like, he can't stop. I want to be a cereal inventor. It's corn, but with sugar on it. Done. Next. (laughs) So he has so many ideas and he doesn't have the mental ability to differentiate between the ideas that like, he should just get a blog and post it and laugh about it and move on. And the ideas to pursue. So he tries to pursue every single one of them. And I think he needs to learn you know what, you need to just have those ideas as part of your creative process and not try to see each one to the end. I've had a couple of app ideas over the last couple of years that for one reason or another, they were just too ambitious or too big, or I didn't know the right people. And I don't know what to do with those ideas. I'm tempted to publish them, but what if I want to do something with that someday? Yeah, that's a problem. I do hold back stuff like that. I have things that I wouldn't post because they're just a little too good, maybe a little too precious. And I sort of feel like maybe one day I'll do that. Yeah. I would rather somebody do it than me only know that it would be great and not have it done. But that's also easy for me to say because I don't have that many good app ideas. I keep thinking that all the good app ideas are taken at this point. No, there's, there's at least one really good app idea that has not been done yet. And I'm sitting on it because someday I'll get around to doing it. All right. Tell us what it is. (laughs) Well, listen, if you can't tell us that because it's so good, I have another great thing we could talk about for just a moment. Yeah. Well, the more I'm thinking about it, it, the reason it didn't get done. So what happened was I'd had this idea and I met, um, I was in San Diego during Comic-Con and I was at some rooftop party somewhere and I get to talking to, I'm not going to mention names, but I get to talking to a producer and I tell her about, uh, we're we're talking about Beyonce. We get to talking about what I do, software and stuff and she mentions that she'd been working on this this app with some people 
and she was really interested in the app world. And we get to talk, and I'm like, you know, I've, I've had this idea. Let me let me hear what you think of it. And I, I pitched her on it, and we we wound up going down the path of trying to get this thing made. And the trouble was, we just couldn't get a budget together for it. It's it's too new. It's never been done. Nobody's ever tried anything like this, and it it was we nobody would put up the money to get it done. And is what it, it is, is, does it tell you the weather? Otherwise. <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a it's a note taking app. <laughs> a to do list. It, it was sort of um, like an immersive alternate reality game kind of thing, but it's more not not participatory. It's more like a book, but a book that happens on your phone, like a phone within a phone. And the 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 story that we had, I sat down with her and and like her writing team. At, at their fancy Hollywood office one day. I flew out there for a meeting. We sit down, we talk about this stuff. We come up with the, the storyline loosely was like a uh, struggling actor comes home from some kind of shoot, uh, finds his, his roommate has been murdered. And then the, the story progresses from there as like what happened and, and, and how did these things unfold? But it all takes place in a way that like this, this character, this struggling actor would be based on a real person. And part of the deal would be that this real person would be getting real small roles on TV shows and in movies and stuff like in, in the real world. So that when you go, when you go see a movie or you, you watch a TV show, you can see the thing that they had just been talking about in the story, almost in an ancillary fashion. I, I had a shoot today. It was for this. And then these events happened around that shoot. And so it, the, the idea was to blur the lines as much as possible between the story and the real world. You should feel comfortable talking about that. It seems unlikely to me someone will go and do that. Yeah, it, it, I forget the exact number, but just to get the thing off the ground was, was multiple millions of dollars. Yeah. I had a, a job a couple decades ago now, customer service for Best Western Hotels, and I remember getting a, a <laughs> yeah, it was a great job. They don't have that. <laughs> they did 20 years ago. It was me. Uh, so we, we would get the weirdest calls. You know, it was, it was great because every call was different. You never knew. You know, okay, 50% of the time it was just someone calling about a, a charge they shouldn't have gotten. But the other 50% of the time was pretty interesting. And so one day uh, we got a call from a manager of a hotel just warning me that I would probably hear from a customer because he was gonna, about to kick him out because he's been very shady and carrying giant paper bags full of things in and out of his room and not letting housekeeping in and he'd been there for like two months already and so the sure enough then i got a phone call from the the guest and he's like oh this this hotel sucks they're kicking me out i can't let them in my room because i'm working on a top secret invention and i'm bringing all my parts in and no one can see it you want to know what it is and then he tells me what it was (laughs) I don't even remember. It was something really stupid. But just... Did you then feature him on your PBS digital series? No, no. Well, m- my favorite uh, Best Western story, I will tell you. But first... <laughs> you, you have so many. <laughs> I do. But before I can tell the story, Dave, I think we should take a moment to thank this episode's fine, fine sponsor. Okay. It's Namecheap. Namecheap? They were what voted. They were voted the best domain name registrar by Lifehacker readers. Namecheap is a topmost domain name registrar offering some of the cheapest prices in the industry. So Namecheap's best known as one of the best domain name registrars in the industry with over 1 million satisfied customers. Are they known as being one of the cheapest? I mean, yeah. that name. Right. Well, cheapest in the good way in terms of saving your prices, saving your money on their cheap, cheap prices. So since 2000... You, you name things in a way that is cheap to you. Right. Not cheaply made. Exactly. 
So it's it's still the same quality domain as you would get anywhere else. It just costs you less. It's not like it's a domain that that rots away after a little bit. It's the same high quality domain name you'd get anywhere else, just for less money. So it's a real dot com, not like a, a Mexican knockoff. Right. It's not. It's not a dot. It's not like it's not like they only sell the dot biz. Right. Well, <laughs> since two thousand info. Since 2000, Namecheap.com offers an unparalleled level of service when it comes to customer care. Way better than Best Western. Their professional (laughs) support representatives are able to answer any of your questions 24-7, 365. That's pretty much any time. We could call them right now and they would be there. Presumably any of your questions about naming things. (laughs) Yeah, I would imagine. About domain names. Not literally any of your questions. Like if you've got some questions about like postpartum depression or something, maybe call your doctor. Well, Namecheap offers some of the most affordable domain names in the industry, in addition to full-featured web hosting packages, secure SSL certificates, WhoisGuard domain name privacy, and so much more. Whoa, 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 whoa. Secure SSL certificates? Yeah. Not insecure SSL certificates, but the secure kind. Holy shit. For a limited time, Namecheap is offering unprofessional listeners to get their private ad-free email along with a .com, .net, or .org domain for only $6.99. So unprofessional listeners can get private ad-free email along with a .com, .net, or .org domain for only $6.99. Here's where you go. And this is where do a, I go? This is a sans URL. Okay, it's going to be a little bit sansy. And <laughs> don't give me that shit. You're going to visit namecheap.com/professional. I'm going to say that again. You're going to visit namecheap.com/professional. Did they wait? 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 Did they? Did they screw that up? No. Or no. No. Were they trying to like spin? They thought it sounded a little weird to put unprofessional in there because they, even though they are low cost, they're very professional service. So they just they they sans the un. And they went to Namecheap. And here's the thing. Even if you don't need a $6.99 domain name right now, which, by the way, you absolutely do, go to Namecheap.com slash professional because they made just a beautiful landing page for us. Like, they really, they took time to get our logo and do a whole little design thing with it. So when you go to Namecheap.com slash professional, you'll see that they kind of did it up. This wasn't like slapdash thrown together. This is sweet. They did a nice job. I'm taking a look right now. Oh, that yeah, that's pretty good. Right, that's pretty good. They got yeah, the logo they, there, the podcast special. You can see they know it's called unprofessional. They just wanted the slash professional because it's a little more professional. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, check it out. Six ninety nine private email plus uh, no Google ads next to it. You know, plus a dot com dot net or dot org domain. You'd be a fool not to do it. So thank you, Namecheap. Everybody's going to go to Namecheap dot com slash professional first just to check out the logo work, and then you're going to be so impressed. You're going to just go ahead and buy a six ninety nine domain I, name with email. I got to tell you guys. Not not to step on your promo, but I, I am a happy Namecheap customer. Every nice. Sing, every <laughs> single one of my domains is is registered with Namecheap. Wow, that's a happy accident. Yes. Boy. Honestly, had no idea. We did not know we that. We kicked off on. 97 guests before we got to see this. <laughs> <laughs> this is, it's so cheap that uh, you could just start registering domains for every stupid domain name idea you have like I already do. Yeah, exactly. If you're going to do it, you might as well save some money. I finally had to let surroundedbybunnies.com go. <laughs> I didn't know what to do with it. Sell to Joss Whedon. But um, that was a little Buffy reference. Tiny Buffy reference. Oh, oh, I get it. I'm with you now. That the, took a uh, minute. Uh, so, Best Western. I'm not seeing any um, scantily clad women or dead large animals on this website. Yeah, they're not those people. Huh. They're better than those people. I, I have, have to I switch. have turned down podcast advertising dollars from those people. Yeah? Yeah. Wait, we have like... Ethics and scruples and shit. Well, I moved I to Namecheap from those people. <laughs> this is as much an ad against them now as it is for Namecheap. <laughs> right. Well, Namecheap I'm sure the Namecheap people won't matter. They, they won't mind. They won't mind. No, they'll appreciate that. 
But I want to tell you my best Western story now. I feel like we've we've gotten the Namecheap message out, namecheap.com slash professional. I love this that. This is the first time you've ever been like, right, let's wrap up the sponsor spot. Well, no, I mean, <laughs> I love Get them. to your story. But my best Western story. I'm excited. Should I put so, on my best Western customer service hat for yeah, this I, one? I, we may and have a smoking, smoking jacket. So <laughs> I'm... Uh, when I worked for Demand Media back in the day, they were in Santa Monica, so I would travel to Los Angeles all the time. At first it was monthly, and then eventually it was every other month. And you know, they, the, the company had discount rates at some nearby hotels, but it's Santa Monica, so all the, even the discount hotels are super expensive. So I did a little research, and I'm like, I'm going to save Demand money. I'm going to stay at this crappier Best Western. No offense, David. I'm going to stay at this crappier Best Western instead because um, it'll be a little bit cheaper. And... Uh, one time when I'm doing this, a, a colleague of mine from Demand is also coming, and he's coming from Seattle. And uh, when we got there, he said, listen, my wife said, since we're staying in this Best Western, that I had to look for bed bugs before I sleep here. And I said, well, oh. I, I slept here last night. It was fine. He's like, well, no, she, she taught me how and what to look for, and I know what to do now. So you've got to actually pull the bed away from the wall, and that's how you can see. So he goes up to his room. And he pulls back his bed and he immediately calls me and he says, holy shit. So I come up and he's got bed bugs all over his floor. And I'm Ooh. not even like going to go look at my floor I'm by bed. Like at this point, I'm just totally scared. So he actually, he photographs some and he captures some in a little envelope oh. to take down to the front desk. In and an we, envelope? And we go down. Yeah. We go down to the front desk and I'm like, listen, I know I stayed here last night, but I'm moving out and he's not <laughs> staying here. And uh, we're not paying for any extra nights. And they're like, well... Will since since he found bed bugs in his room, we'll we'll cancel his reservation. He doesn't have to pay any money, but you have to. I mean, I said I'll pay for my first night, but I'm not paying for any other nights. You're like, well, you're gonna have to pay for tomorrow night since it's less than 24 hours away. I'm like, I'm not going to. I literally won't pay it. And if you charge me for it, I'm going to charge you back. And the guy was really fighting with me, really viciously. And so I said, I'd like to speak to the manager. And he's like, well, the manager's on vacation. <laughs> and I said, well, I want to speak to somebody who's more important than you. And eventually he would not give me anybody. So we called the, the national Best Western number. And as soon as and I said – And that's how you met David Friedman. <laughs> as, as soon as I said bedbugs, I got put up to essentially like the assistant to the CEO at Best Western as far as I could tell. And um, they made the guy – we left. And they made the guy call me and apologize and wow. um, then it turned out that the guy had been like we're googling him because we're internet nerds, right? And it turns out that he's been he's had a bunch of run-ins with the law. The guy who I had been speaking with at the hotel, so that was fun. You got his last name? Oh yeah, totally. Um, and uh, run-ins with the law, like bedbug related run-ins. With no, the law? like just just being a shitty person. It turns out he was the manager and was lying about being the manager. So that possession I, of bedbugs with intent to distribute. He um, he eventually when he calls me up, he's like, "I'll be honest with you, we have had problems with room two two o two which was where my buddy Jeremy was supposed to be staying. So not only like they knew that the room was infested with bed bugs, but we're still renting as people because what did they care? Terrible. Well, sir, I've I'm really sorry to hear that you had that experience. I do, <laughs> I do think I should tell you that each Best Western is independently owned and operated and that your experience at one Best Western should in no way reflect on the organization as a whole. I'm really surprised to Really? Because it seems like that's exactly what the, what the point of having a franchise and a shared logo and name would be. Right. Um, you know, to be honest, though, there are some very nice Best Westerns. They they have, you know, all manner of Best Western. And I've stayed at some that were really as nice as the nicest hotels I've ever stayed at. And I never stayed at one that had bed bugs. I stayed at one in Anaheim that was not a Best Western for much longer after I stayed there. But wow. it was kind of it was kind of great working for customer service 
and going to stay at a Best Western because they kind of kissed your ass a bit, you know, because you'd play up, you know. We weren't supposed to show any preferences to one hotel or another, um, but they would sort of kiss your ass and give you free stuff in the hopes that you would play them up when you're on the phone with guests. This is the exact same reason why I wear an Apple jacket whenever I go to the Apple store. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. They're always really nice to me. Yeah. Well, I never heard any bed bug stories that I recall. I heard much, much worse, but um, I, I never heard bed bugs. Oh, I, I think they at the Apple store. No, no, Best Western. I, you know, it was more common than you would like to know that someone would call to complain about like fecal matter in the bathtub. <laughs> Things. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> 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 regular regular listeners will know exactly why Lex is apologizing. Um, I was just thinking of my other best Western experience, not nearly as dramatic, but <laughs> it has nothing to do with the fecal matter. But when my. Based I, on a true story. My now wife and um, then girlfriend? Sister. Fiance. Then fiance. Yeah, then sister slash fiance. Uh, we were driving from. No, it was, she was just my girlfriend's wife because we were still in college. We were driving from Boston to LA. And we would do about 500, 600 miles a day, and then we would stay in a hotel. Um, and we were we had a, a book, because this was before the internet, or at least before smartphones. Um, we had a book of all the best Westerns in the country. And you could look up by city, you know, where the nearest best Western was. And we get to the one we're going to stay at that night. And we've, it was, I think, our first day. And we had driven that day like 680 miles, which was a lot for us. And we were tired. And we go in, and they're like, we only uh, rent rooms to people who are 21 or older. Uh, I was 19. Lauren had just turned 20 like a month before. And so I'm trying to give her the, I'm trying to give her the opportunity to lie a little bit. I'm like, oh, Lauren, aren't you? And she goes, I'm 18. I mean, 19. <laughs> I mean, 20. She gets her own age wrong, lying in the wrong direction, essentially. Um, and eventually, and they were like, well, no, you guys are too young. I'm like, I'm going to give you a credit card. You can rack up all the charges you want if I trash the room. Like, you'll have it. And uh, eventually I convinced them. But from then on, Lauren would stay in the car when we got to hotels because <laughs> I look way older than she does, even though she actually is a little bit older. And then nobody else asked. Sounds good. Maybe you should start moisturizing. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the need to disclaim just so that I do not get sued. I haven't worked for Best Western in a really long time. And I may be misremembering <laughs> some details. Um, maybe it wasn't fecal matter. Maybe it was something floral. And I don't, I don't remember. Um, it may have even been another hotel chain. He works for days in and you know, it It may have been days in. I just, my memory is hazy. Nothing I said should be taken as, um, serious. Are there other Westerns? Mediocre Uh, Western? No, but they're, they're, you know, uh, best Western, or whatever the company was, had a slogan for a while that said, your best bet is a best Western. So we used to get a lot of phone calls from people who misdialed the phone number for best beds, and they wanted to just buy a bed. (laughs) Secondary business, I guess. (laughs) But there are hotels that do that, right? Where they give you the card, and it tells you all about the bed that you're sleeping on, so you can buy one if you want one. The bed? Yeah. Uh, you stay at like they'll be like a special they'll have a special deal with a mattress manufacturer like oh this is a sealy whatever yeah the fuck. that does and then sound you can, familiar you can, you can file a thing online and buy one of the same beds because you liked it so much which is not a bad business idea i used to work for a uh, comfort inn we did not have the sell the beds program going on there but we did occasionally find weird things in the rooms i worked night audit so my shift was like 
10 p.m. to 6 a.m. The upside was that I didn't see very many customers. I was just kind of mostly hanging out playing video games in the back. But uh, when I did see people, it was not in the best part of town, and it was the middle of the night. So you can imagine the crackheads that walked into there. Again, that's comfort in. Feel free to sue me. <laughs> God, I really hope this is interesting to people. It, I didn't know our conversation <laughs> was going to go here. Uh, I don't remember ever seeing feces in there, though. You know, I, I don't want to give the impression that that was like a regular call. But, you know, it happened more than once. Maybe we just had like a top-notch house cleaning staff. You know, I think that what happened was maybe someone was sick and, you know, maybe someone <laughs> else. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. It's been a while. There Don't was one incident remember. with an older man, I remember. That was, <laughs> that's, that's all I want to know about that one, too. Nope. Just, just once. Just one episode without talking about shit would be great. Uh, I wouldn't be unprofessional. That's that's the show that Namecheap is linking to. It's professional. What, what I did the like, show. what I did like, and I'll say this was that, you know, we had rules we had to go by. Sometimes we always had to rule in favor of the customer. Sometimes we always had to rule in favor of the hotel, depending on you know what the situation. There was a matrix. Was. Like if it was feces in the tub, <laughs> the hotel's fault. Right. If it's feces just in the dirty toilet, that's that's the chain's fault. But dirty th- toilet, dirty toilet. That was my other strip, my old stripper name. <laughs> so, 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 um, but they had this thing where if I, as a customer service person, felt like even though I had to rule against this customer, like they still deserved something good, they had like a contract with Harry and David where I could send them like a pear basket or something, or like I could go through the Harry and David catalog. And so I'd like tell you on the phone, like, I'm really sorry, the charge has to stand, goodbye. And then I, without telling the customer, I would just send them a little gift basket. God, I would be even more pissed if I got pears. <laughs> what do you got against pears, motherfucker? I'm more of an Apple guy. Oh, really? Yeah, it's not about the computers. It's just the pears taste weird. But <laughs> it's if, free. If you sent me free food and I can't eat it, you basically sent me nothing. You sent me a, a thing to <laughs> re-gift to somebody else. You, you sent me the, a chore. You don't think the thought counts in that situation? <laughs> no. Not from, from a corporate entity? I don't know that David Friedman, my cousin and long lost brother, is behind it. I just know that some corporate, oh, now I'm not sure word I don't say, behemoth, behemoth. My a corporate behemoth sent me a a corporate behemoth sent me a pear basket. And I don't eat pears, and I'm just angry. What if it was like uh, uh, cookies? cookies but yeah, no, 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 but cookies, but you're on a diet. I don't care. I'll still eat the cookies. I'm not mad about that. Unless it's like, if you, when people fuck up cookies, that really gets me offended too. Like if it's like a chocolate chip walnut cookie, now I'm, I'm angry again. I don't want yeah, a designer why? cookie. I don't understand why people would put nuts in a dessert. That's like Thank just you. ruining a dessert. Preach it, Friedman. You, you people are fucked up in the head. <laughs> like pecan pie. I don't even know why that exists. Right. Exactly. Peanut butter pie. Sure. That's fine. I don't know what peanut butter pie is. Creamy peanut butter or crunchy peanut butter? Creamy. Not in the pie in general. Creamy, for sure. Why the hell would I want to crunch in my peanut butter sandwich? It and no jelly either. I don't know. I, I like the crunchy. Yeah, I'm all about the crunchy this peanut This podcast butter. is over. <laughs> well, <laughs> apparently it really is. <laughs> well, see you later. So, all Footsteps right. walking do, away. Do we have time for another topic? I feel like, I feel like this is... I can tell you guys a story that I haven't had any opportunity to tell anyone because it's just this kind of story that it's like, I feel like maybe I'll tell one day, but it just never comes up. But since there's no specific 
no specific. It's great because in our in our form letter, it used to say if if you have a story that you don't normally get a chance to tell, tell it here. But nobody ever did, so we took it out. Okay. Not only do I never get a chance to tell this, but it has it never, never really occurred. It has never occurred to me to tell it. And, but until now, so I'll try it out on you guys, and you tell me if I should retell it. Okay. So okay. it's I live in New York. Uh, other New Yorkers will know that you uh, you know you walk to the subway to go to works, and everyone in your neighborhood is generally going to work at the same time. So you sort of get to see the same people every day as you're walking in the subway. You sort of recognize, oh, there's that. You know, the woman who has the same haircut as her son, or there's... Is that a real person? Yeah, it's a real person. Two people. Oh, Yeah, I think think she's walking her son to work. They have the same haircut. Um, And there's a guy on a unicycle walking his dog. I see a lot. But but I work at home, so my commute, basically, is uh, I take my son to daycare. And I leave... What neighborhood do you live in? Park Slope in Brooklyn. Oh, okay. That explains a lot. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, so I walk to, uh, I walk my son to his daycare and then I walk home and on the way home, I pass two people. I pass my wife who is on her way to work and I pass John Turturro pretty much every day. (laughs) (laughs) Like you do. So, um, sometimes though, um, I'll pass John Turturro and like a long time will go by. I'm almost home and I haven't passed my wife yet. And I'm like, hello, I saw John Turturro like five minutes ago. You're running late. And other times I'll pass my wife and I'll say, oh, you're obviously ahead of schedule because I can see John Turturro a couple of blocks away. He hasn't yet. <laughs> so we call this we, we call this John Turturro time. <laughs> Do you ever stop and say hello to him? Do you like? Have you chatted? I have not chatted with him. Um, He's you, essentially your John Turturolex. <laughs> <laughs> oh. He is. He is. Um, no, you know, he kind of has by now blended into the background of all the other characters that you see on a regular basis, except for if I have like just seen one of his movies. Then <laughs> the next time I see him. Like, I, he's not suddenly this guy in the neighborhood. And he's not even like John Turturro. He's like, oh, my God, it's the general from Transformers 3 or whatever. <laughs> you should just that's, salute that's him That's the first role I thought. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the only time that I do, like, a double or triple take anymore. One day, I, um, I think I was accidentally staring at him, and I think he got uncomfortable. I did actually, I did want to stop I'm sure him. he never gets that. <laughs> right. I did want to stop and ask him one day. Like, I, I saw one of his Where are movies. you walking, John? That's what I would ask. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I sort of, I assume that he's going, because I've wondered that. Like, where is John Turturro going at nine in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> some days he's, he's dressed, like, in a suit, and some days he's dressed in, like, jeans and, like, a white T-shirt, and I just, I don't know. But um, there's a, a theater in the general direction that he walks. And I know that he was in a show in a play there for a while. So I thought maybe they have early morning rehearsals and, you know, sometimes I won't see him for like six weeks and I think, Oh, I guess John's off somewhere filming a movie. And then I see him again, pretty regularly again. And it's like, Oh, and now I can tell time again. Um, <laughs> I have set no- your clock by John Turturro. Yeah. I wonder sometimes like, if I'm too nondescript to serve that function for anyone, like I see him so often. I feel like if I like 
actually met him one day and be like, oh, I see you every day. And he'd be like, I've never seen you before in my life, you know? You need to grow a fancy mustache, maybe. A fancy mustache or maybe um, shave my kid's head so he has the same hairstyle I do or something <laughs> like that. I don't know, something like that. So that's my John Turturro story. Is it worth repeating? I would share that. I yeah. liked it. Thanks. I, for me, my favorite Turturro role is um, uh, in Quiz Show. When he has to take a dive. I actually have a story about that. I don't know if we have time. You can edit well, out. So if, you, if you have a Herbert story. Stemple, John Turturro story, give him one of my favorite I have, movies. I, I want to hear it. Story. I was going to say, Our Brother, We're Out, though. That's my only commentary. So the year, let me set the scenario here for you. It's probably like 1994. <laughs> <laughs> and I was in college, and I went with my friend Rachel to see at the college movie theater, A River Runs Through It. And it starred a young, was it Brad Pitt, I think? Sure. And I said to her, I said, you know, if they ever make a movie about the quiz show scandals, that guy would be a great Charles Van Dorn. <laughs> and she said, what are you talking about? So afterwards, I told her all about the, um, the quiz show scandals. And she said, what a great idea to write a one-act play for this one-act playwriting competition that I'm planning on entering. Let's do it all about the quiz show scandals. So we did all this research, and we wrote a one-act play all about the, the scandal and Herb Stemple and the, the, you know, I think we might have even had a $64,000 question joke in there with, what was her name, that psychiatrist? Uh, whatever, I'm off track. So anyway, so we did all this, and we wrote this play, and we submitted it to the... Um, the competition we did not win but of course as soon as we um we finished writing it we found out that the movie was come was going to be coming out um directed by robert redford who also directed a river runs through it and so we felt this big like connection and then when we finally went and saw the movie because we had done all of our you know scenes based on transcripts and things like that and so too did they we saw like a lot of the scenes that like we just wrote did your did your play include the line charles van fucking doran no because that's my favorite line came up a lot when we were writing it though (laughs) no he's a dick charles this just goes to show uh, it's all about the execution the idea is worthless exactly you just got unprofessional Zing. That was me trying to wrap it all around. I can tell. <laughs>